Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen in to each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 26, I'm talking to Nicole Biner. First and foremost, she is incredible, period, end of story. From the first moment I spoke with her, I was certain she would change the world. And I'm not kidding or exaggerating. I felt so lucky when Nicole reached out to me. So I'm excited that our conversation is finally going out to my listeners. Nicole is an attorney and a diversity consultant. She is a community builder, and those titles only scratch the surface. You'll hear so much more about how she is thriving in the face of a chronic illness, how she is creating her purpose, and how she is using her superpowers to create genuine connection. You are going to want to follow every single thing she's working on. I link to her online spaces in the show notes, of course. And you can follow her work at Nicole Gabrielle and at Melanin and Moxie, which is a community for women of color. What a cool name, right? I love it. Melanin and Moxie. This will likely be the last episode of 2018. And I want to wish all of you a very happy holiday season. If you are someone who struggles during the holidays, I hope that the podcast has made you feel just a little bit more connected. And if you're someone who can't get enough of the holidays, look around for opportunities to take the middle seat. People need you. So thank you for listening and following all of my guests this year. I cannot believe it has been almost a full year since I started podcasting. And as a last little gift to me, I would love for you to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen on. It means so much to me and it helps other people find and discover this podcast. A little shout out to HippieChick59, whoever you are, for leaving a really lovely review. I don't often remember to look at my reviews and when I did yesterday, your review is there like the best sort of little stocking stuffer. So thank you. Okay, I hope you are ready to be inspired and encouraged because it is time for my conversation with Nicole Biner. So Nicole, thank you so much for coming on Taking the Middle Seat. I'm so glad that we are connecting. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I am such a fan of your show, and it's really kind of unbelievable to get to talk to you and be on it. So thank you. I am so, so grateful. Oh, you are just kind and ridiculous because <laughs> we talked a couple months ago, and I, you're one of two people that reached out to me that's not like in my 
direct neck of the woods. And I was just like, what? People outside of Michigan? <laughs> yes. 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 You will be taking middle seats all over the country. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> I'm glad to be part of that. I'm like still riding that high ever since we talked. I was like, oh my God. Um, so the minute you reached out, I of course did what we all do now. And it's like quickly Googled, like <laughs> reaching out to me Yes, and was immediately sucked into your energy and your um, personality and your vibe online. I just loved it. Oh, um, thank you. So I was so excited to get to hear more about how this happened and where you are and who you are and all those things. So talk a little bit about just kind of a quick intro of um, who you are, where you live um, whatever you want to say that's kind of quick intro-ish. Sure. So I am an attorney by trade, um, and I am recently expanding into the entrepreneurial space. Mm -hmm. And I'm from New York, uh, but I now live in Boston. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was abundantly clear when I moved to Boston um, was how difficult it is to find People find your people and find community, um, and how segregated of a city it is. Yeah. Um, and so I moved here for law school, and I really just had this, you know, bug in me of how do I help people find their city, like their people, like yeah. make this their city. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. Is you know, it was great. I love practicing law. I love helping people through that. But I think at my heart, what I really care about is creating um, comfortable spaces for people to be themselves and creating community. So mm -hmm. that's what I kind of just said, you know what, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to do this. Um, yeah. I know you are absolutely singing my song. Because I think I was just talking to another interview today about um, how I think as adults, as women, um, and probably even more so as women of color or any kind of marginalized community, it's hard. It's, yes. there are so many things that, um, stand in the way of finding your genuine community, not just, you know, people you say, you know, nice yes. or, but real connection as an adult person, exactly really changing jobs every minute or moving to a new neighborhood every second, right? Bloom where you're planted. And it's, that's hard. It is. It's so hard. And even uh, particularly in these kinds of political climates where there are all these hot button issues and you're trying to figure out like, who can I say what to, how can I be myself when I don't particularly know where these people are coming from or how I'm going to be received. It's really hard. Um, and, you know, in law school, I had a bit of a springboard. There were obviously, you know, there are people interested. They want to hire you. So there are a lot of networking events. But, um, and I, I do love networking. My husband laughs at me because he's like, who is this person? Like, no one likes interviewing. No one likes networking. And I was like, I do. I think it's fun. <laughs> but exactly. I just like talking to people and getting to know them and figuring out, you know, how can we all kind of make each other shine? You know, that's that I enjoy that. Um, and so I just 
was really excited that there was some buzz um, and other people to meet other people who felt this way. Um, it's so easy to start feeling like I'm the only one who's not connected, right? And everyone else has it going on. Everyone else came up with their own networks, and I'm this like weirdo who can't figure out uh, where I belong or like who my people are, right? Um, so starting to have more conversations and be more vulnerable and say, Hey, like, this is a problem I'm, you know, feeling, how did you solve it? And people are like, Oh, I haven't solved it. Um, it was just really, uh, eye opening, I think. And really, uh, kind of self affirming, like, okay, I'm not crazy. There's a problem here. How do, what do we do with it? Yeah. So you are, now sort of starting to address that very issue um, kind of from a couple of different directions. Talk a little bit about kind of how you moved from attorney space to the space that you're kind of creating and forming now. And we can talk about what, what all that's called and, um, you know, take us on that journey from, and what kind of law did you do? I should ask. I'm just totally curious. Sure. So I've actually practiced a bunch of different laws. So um, I was working in the uh, court in corporate law. So I was working at a big law firm here in Boston, and I did a lot of human trafficking and asylum work okay. as well, um, as well as you know white collar securities, mostly contract disputes or things like that. Um, so I kind of did a full gamut. Um, I did employment law. And I really enjoyed it. I really, you know, I like the practicing. I like the research and the, you know, solving problems. Um, so I think in some senses it was a surprise only to me um, that this was, you know, that this was something I decided to do. Um, I worked at the firm for a few years and I was still having a really hard time getting situated in Boston. Like my life was work. Um, and that made sense. And I had this like network of work people and then I had church people, mm -hmm. um, and I had law school friends and I just didn't quite feel like that was great. And I was grateful for all of them. I still am grateful for those networks. Um, but it didn't feel like I could make Boston home. Right. And I, I couldn't put my finger on what is this thing that's missing to make it home. Yeah. Um, and so I started volunteering, um, here in Boston. I, um, am a career coach with a program called Summer Search. Um, and I work with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love, those are things I love to do, right? I love mentoring. Those are things that make me just so excited and light up inside. Um, and I wanted more of that. I wanted more of that light up feeling. Yeah. Um, and so as kind of the universe would have it, um, I was really just on my way of researching where do I, where can I get this? Where can I do more of this work and how can I balance it with being an attorney? Yeah. Um, when I got on a really busy case that required a ton of my time and I, I love that. I feed, I'm an adrenaline junkie. And okay. so I, I just love that kind of stuff. I was on this case. I loved every minute. I loved everyone on the case. Um, but I randomly, um, couldn't move my arm one morning when I woke up and oh. it was, um, so painful that my husband literally just brushed my arm and I started 
crying. Um, mm-hmm. And so that it so happened that my parents ha- were visiting that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents don't do very many spontaneous trips. Uh-huh. This was their like one weekend they decided to be spontaneous. And I, you know, I so I came out of the bedroom and I told my mom, I was like, yeah, it's something's wrong with my arm. I can't move it. It hurts to touch. Like, so I, I was like, I'm just, I don't know what's wrong. I'm just going to like use my left hand today. <laughs> and uh, she was like, that's, yeah, she was like, that's not normal. <laughs> um, maybe you should see about that. And um, we ended up later on, you know, it wasn't going away. And so I ended up going to the urgent care. Um, and by that time there was like, really intense tingling that had spread and I was having a hard time walking on my right side. Um, I was just limping, kind of dragging my leg a bit. Um, and so when I showed up, they were like, Nope, you go immediately to the ER. (laughs) And I spent that day and this is, um, I guess this says a lot about me, but also a lot about the practice of, um, big law is that I was literally in the ER and the doctor comes in and he's like, this isn't good. Um, we're going to run you through a bunch of tests. We might have to keep you here for three days. And the first thing I said was like, I can't be here for three days. I'm on a trial. Like I was like, I have a case. I've worked really, really hard to like gain my status on this team and I can't risk losing it. So I was like, if you don't know what's wrong with me in a day, you're going to have to send me home. And he was like, well, that's really intense. Um, and I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, I had no value for my health at all, right? I, I just was, you know, put my head down. I want to succeed. I want to achieve and I want to be respected. And if other people are hashtag take no days off, like I'm going to be no days off too, you know? Um, but our bodies don't work that way. And um, we aren't meant to be machines. And so I did, I, I had to call. I actually, I called one of the people on the team. We were supposed to have a meeting while I was in the hospital. I called them and I said, I really, I have really bad reception here. Just wanted to let you know, I'm waiting for a CAT scan and MRI in the ER. So I think I might miss our call. I will try and jump on as soon as I can, but uh, that's the best I can tell you right now. And the uh, the attorney, she was like, Nicole, like you're in the hospital. Like, just don't be in the hospital. Yeah, time out. Well, and then her response wasn't like, okay, well, you better get yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. And you know how many, I've heard so many horror stories of people who have been in large companies and they've gotten those responses or the people who wear it as a battle scar who say, you know, oh, I, I gave birth and then I hopped right into my email and um, I wasn't sure what to expect. And as a junior attorney, I was really nervous, you know, about losing the respect and credibility that I had built up. Yeah. Um, so I was really grateful. Unfortunately, um, my health did not get better. It did take a lot. It took about three months to find the right specialist who could figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the meantime, it really took a sharp dive and the, a lot of the tests they run kept coming back normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But I couldn't move parts of my body or I would 
fall randomly as I was walking. Um, And it got so bad that I, you know, there were times I couldn't lift a fork or I had to ask my husband, my now husband for help to get to the bathroom and he would carry me to the bathroom and help Mm. me use the bathroom. Um, It was so demoralizing. And were you um, terrified? It was, it was terrible. Like I had no idea what to expect. And to be honest, it's still really scary. Like there are days I don't know like what's going to happen. And some days where it feels like I can't quite trust my body. Um, and that's a really hard thing. And it's, um, they've now narrowed it down to a few things, you know, but when it comes down to it, the nervous system and the brain are so complicated and our medical system hasn't really poured the um, resources into understanding it. So there's a lot of, so I have a neurological disorder, um, but they don't really understand a lot of the pain or other symptoms that come along. So I also get migraines. That's Mm -hmm. not tied to the neurological disorder but then they're like, well, maybe it is. We just don't know. There's not that much study of pain. Yeah. And so it's wow. really difficult to manage. Um, you know, like some days I'll have some energy and I'll be able to do things. And then I'll be laid out for a week, maybe two weeks, yeah. where I don't even have energy to get up to go to the bathroom. I won't, like, have energy to feed myself. Literally, my sister lives She's been a godsend. She lives about 15 minutes away. She'll come over and like bring the food just from the kitchen to my bed so that I can eat something. Um, And those days are really hard and they're scary. And it's hard because I'll go to the doctors and they'll say, you're doing everything you can do. Like you're doing everything right. You're going to physical therapy. You're doing all these things we prescribed. Um, but this is the best medicine can do right now. Yeah. And oh. so that's scary unless, you know, and then you have an instinct of, I want to keep finding other specialists. Someone's got to know what's going on, you know? Sure. Um, but you can make yourself crazy doing that too. Um, and it takes up so much time and energy. Yeah. So I've kind of been at the spot where, you know, they tell me I have a neurological disorder. They don't quite understand what the migraines like, how they play into this or why they're as debilitating as they are. Um, But I just kind of take it and schedule out my time and see what I can do and try and be as productive as I can. Um, And I will say a lot of people feel many different ways about social media Mm -hmm. and the internet, but it has been such a godsend to me um, because I, it can feel like you're trapped at home by yourself. Um, You know, all my friends are out at work and people don't really understand like my illness. People don't understand like, Oh, well you look fine. And it's like, well, that's because today I can walk, you know? Um, And like, you're just like, Oh, you just have a cane or you just have, you know, you had to come here in a wheelchair. Um, But you're not seeing all the behind the scenes things of when I get home and I'm exhausted. Right. Um, And so social media has allowed me a way to, connect with people and still feel productive and part of the world um, even if I have to stay home and I have been you know I've gotten to podcasts which was something I had never done before um, 
probably the last person on the podcast train, but um, I'm really glad I got there. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a few. I can't remember. <laughs> you don't listen to podcasts? Yes, I, I will admit. Um, but uh, it was, it's been a real big journey. It's, you know, I've learned to have to put my health first. Um, or at least second, I'm working towards first, if I'm truly honest. It yeah. is really hard um, to undo a lot of the things we're taught. Um, and we are taught that the hustle makes you. And we are taught that, you know, to just put your head down and plow ahead. And I have to tell myself, like, even though I really want to do this, right, or everything in me wants to do something, I have to ask myself, is this good for me? Yeah. And, um, well, and that's, that's one of my questions because I know I know so many people in my personal life, and I just know that they're out there have the same some illness that people can't see that mm-hmm. affects their day to day life that their people in their circle may or may not even know about. Um, my best friend is one of those people, and if you met her, you wouldn't have any idea that she has a chronic mm-hmm. pain condition. Um, but in dealing, being a person that deals with that, do you have? Um, do you feel believed? Do you know what I mean? Like when you're in a, in a medical space or even kind of just with your people, your circle, Mm -hmm. do you feel believed in those systems? Mm, I worry for those people that, that they don't, you know, it's crazy making and then you are perceived mm -hmm. as crazy. That is such a great, great question. Um, I will tell you that my first doctor that I saw, the one that took a long time to figure out what was going on, um, and ultimately didn't figure out what was going on, I ended up switching medical teams, um, believed me um, and believed that I was having the symptoms I had, um, but believed me and made it very clear that I was believed because of the privileges I had. And so because I was a lawyer, because I had gone to certain schools, they, you know, and at one point even said to me, you know, I see other patients with symptoms like this sometimes. And frankly, I just think they're crazy. And but he's like, if you were one of those, I would I would just tell you maybe you're just stressed and get some rest. But, you know, you're smart, you're high achieving, you're this, you're that. So, like, I know there's got to be something wrong. And that to me was just so demoralizing, That's you know? Yes. Like, like I was just like, wow, you only believe me because of these tr- markers that like you think are important, but yeah. how many people are you turning away? You know, like, like I couldn't lift a fork. Like I couldn't use the bathroom. Like other people, if they're experienced this, they deserve to be heard and valued and listened to. Um, and so that was a real big eye opener. And we immediately switched and asked all around for who's, who knows a different doctor. And, you know, um, I, I will say that I am thankful to, for my educational privilege. It did get me to better doctors. Yeah. Um, I was able to use my education network to find the doctors that were able to say, I've seen this before, you're not alone, and here's what it is. And it wasn't until then that I really started feeling like, okay, like this is going to be okay. And I found, you know, people who got it. Um, And that's when it really started feeling like, okay, this is 
scary and it's hard, yeah. but we can deal with it, right? Yeah. Like there's been other scary and hard things, but I do think the worst time is that in between of uh, you don't know what's going on and then other people are acting like you're nuts or, yeah. you know, there are some times where I'm afraid to, you know, I'm afraid if I don't use my cane or my wheelchair that someone's going to think I'm faking it, right? Yeah. And I'm not. It's just some days I have more functionality than others, you know? Right. Um, and I wish I knew why. I wish my doctors knew why, but they don't. Yeah. And so this is just my life. But there are these things that go through your mind and I see the stairs, you know, when I like get out of my wheelchair um, and just explaining to people because so many people are fortunate enough to not have to think about these things yeah. and to not have to really understand what it's like to live with a disability or live with a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. um, and I was one of those people, you know, and I can see it. I get it. I don't judge it because all of these things I had never thought about, you know, yeah. never even crossed my mind. Um, but here I am and we're living with it. And I will say it was so uplifting to just have a community of people who said, you know, we, we get it or we yeah. don't understand but like we, we are being as supportive as we can of you yeah. without having like, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, but yeah. like, I want to support you as well as I can. Yeah. Um, and that's been priceless. Yeah. So you had talked about not really finding where you fit in Boston. Um, and now it sounds like you do have a community that you feel supported by. So did you find out some like magic sauce? <laughs> <laughs> it made it able to find those people and find those genuine connections uh a little bit maybe i i wish <laughs> i wish you know i once i patent it i'll like definitely you know i have to boil it down and patent it but i'm not really sure i just um i really i think part of the if i had to say it was a magic sauce it was a willingness to be vulnerable yeah. And um, it's something that I still work on that is so hard um, and is against what we're told, right? Like, as long as I can remember, never let them see you sweat. Like, don't yeah. let them see you cry, right? These things are ingrained into us. And um, it was a willingness to say, no, I'm, I'm going to let them see the hard things. Yeah. And I'm going to, maybe not everyone, maybe you don't let everyone in. But I'm going to talk about them and I'm going to really stand in my truth and own it. Um, and that's when the doors started really opening. I found the people, right? I found the people who react very poorly and are just like, oh, that sounds terrible. And then they move on to someone who they can relate to better, yeah. right? Not my people. That's okay. <laughs> just not my people. But I also found the people who are willing to say, whoa, like, let me learn more about you. And wow, that sounds really hard. And here's what I've heard about or whatever. And where we actually get into dialogue. Um, and those moments have been magical. Um, yeah. And I think that's the lesson that I really have pulled out of this is that, you know, it is like we need to stand in our truths yeah. we need to know our truths and then own them and like it's okay if it's not going to be for everyone um and that's all right but when 
there's so much power in just giving voice to those truths instead of trying to fit in with whatever mold society is telling us we're supposed to fit with. Yeah. Um, and it's changed a lot. It's changed, you know, how I view even legal practice and what mm-hmm. I think legal practice should be like. Um, it's changed how I view friendships and, mm-hmm. right, and how I value just different ways of allocating your time. And so I think it would be an incredible world if we were all willing to get more vulnerable. Yes. Um, and that's part of why I decided to start um, my my business and make a business out of it. Yeah. And so, you know what? I think that I, I it's weird calling it a business for me mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I get caught up a little bit in imposter syndrome myself sometimes. Like, is this really a business? Can I start a business? I'm a lawyer. What is this? Um, but, um, but really, it's more about building community for me. That's what I love. And I think for a long time, I just shied away from that truth of like, hey, this is the thing that really, really lights me up. And I think we can build community by having hard discussions. I think we can build community that supports us and that workplaces should be places where we're happy to be. And um, so I just set out to kind of do it all. I was like, all right, let's, let's you know, be the, be the change you want to see. And um, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but I, I really think it all starts with us being comfortable in our own skin and being comfortable sharing our stories and being vulnerable. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I was telling you before we started recording that, um, it's been, it's even evident from the time we talked a couple of months ago to now that you have like just done tons of thought work and work on yourself of like, what really is, what really lights me up? Like you said, what really is my space in this world? What am I put here to do? Um, and I, you know, that's amazing when anytime any woman is just like, this is my thing. And I, I think it's just magical. Um, but I think too, your attorney, um, experience plus your experience dealing with a chronic illness has just like melded into this cool thing where you're like, I'm smart and I'm powerful and I have a disability and this and that. And that's all, it's all what, like what you said, that's all your truth, not looking, yes. putting people in one box yes. or in one label. We're all complex. And if we get close enough to each other, if we take that middle seat, gosh darn it. Exactly. Um, we figure out that we're all nuanced and we're all so, and therefore have so much more in common than we sometimes think. And I yes. just, I love that. I love that about you and your work. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That's, so, that's so sweet to hear. It's yeah, it's hard. And you know, there aren't a lot of people talking about intersectionality. That's not something we're, we're taught. It's not something we talk about. Um, and in this time period, um, and political moment, it's something that everyone's choosing a box and yeah. holding on to that box. Like it's, you know, I don't know, like the last thing left in the world. And yeah. we're, but we're not just a single box. And the more that we try to be a single box, the more we lose. Yeah. Um, and I think that there is real um, value in acknowledging different identities I think there's value in acknowledging difference and in valuing difference um and even in you know acknowledging our own privileges that come with our identities everyone is afraid of using 
privilege word, you know, it's become like a bad word. And I don't think it should be. I think, yeah. you know, uh, we all have different layers yeah. and are privileged in some ways and not privileged in other ways. And I think when we really think about it and if we really sit with it, we can start saying, well, here's how I can make the world better, right? Yeah. Here's what I can do to leverage what I do have and hopefully like someone else will leverage what they have and it'll fix the holes that exist in my life. Right. Yes. Um, and so it's just, it is this just really weird thing of people not being comfortable taking that middle seat, yes. not being comfortable opening up and just saying, let's have a conversation. Um, yeah. And I, I want to fix that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think acknowledging privilege is enormous. Um, and I mean, people I can't see either one of us. I'm white or a person of color. Um, <laughs> I think most most listeners know that I'm a white person because they are in my community. But um, there's a per a woman that I follow, and I'll have to find her name. I think it's Rachel Cargill. Do you follow her? I do. Yes. Um, and I think this is who this came from. But the idea of spending your privilege. Um, so not necessarily spending like dollars, but that too, mm -hmm. um, like if, if you carry white privilege as I do, um, or educational privilege or, you know, whatever status, yep. privilege, um, spending that or paying that forward, yes. which I think, um, for me, it, it kind of helped me get past that like white privilege -y feeling of like, mm -hmm. oh, I have privilege, but what am I going to do about that? And uh, right. talk about it to like, oh, I can, I can do something with this. In fact, it's my responsibility to do something yes. with it. Um, and like you said, your educational privilege, now you are paying that forward and creating spaces where people that might not have those privileges are welcome and seen and heard. Yes. I just love that concept of kind of like recognizing first and then pushing it forward. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to do and exactly what I think more of us need to spend time doing. Yeah. I think that the world would be less divisive yeah. if we did that and if we weren't so afraid of having it pointed out. You know, we're not, none of us are perfect. We're all going to mess something up at yeah. some point. Be open to someone pointing that out and saying, yes. you know, um, all right. And say, all right, how do I do it better? What did I miss? Like why, you know, like there are so many things now. Um, I just really wasn't even thinking about ableism. Right. Mm -hmm. And so before I was sick, it wasn't something that I thought about like in now it's, I have to book a restaurant recommendation and sometimes or a reservation. And sometimes I'm too shy to even call. And yeah. I asked my husband to call and make sure he requests a shit, like a seat that has a back. I can't sit on bar stools and, you yeah. know, or little things that I'm still trying to own that part of me. Yeah. Um, and, but being open to, wow, like other people have all these things they're figuring out as they go through the day, you yeah. know, um, that I may or may not be aware of. Yeah. And let me just open myself up to this and let yeah. me open myself up to understanding what other people carry with them. Yes. Um, yeah. So. And the weight of that and being yes. supportive of other people that there is a weight to having a disability or being a person of color or being a woman or being, you know, yes. whatever there's a weight that that entails and if yep. you can help 
carry that burden. I don't know if we can, but you know what I mean? Like how, yeah, at least let you stand in that truth, at least honor your truth. Um, and it may not, you know, it may not make it easier. It may not, um, it certainly won't take it away, but at least in my experience, not having to second guess your truth, not having to feel crazy because of your truth, not having to hide it. Like those things that takes away from the weight, right? Being able to just stand in it and people say, I see you, I hear you. And this is like, thank you for being you. Um, That's incredible. And it really just puts this like positivity into the world um, that I really think we need. Um, Oh gosh, we need it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I love all that. So um, your goal, I don't know if you have your goal nailed down because there's a, there's big goals. That yeah. You have, the goal is to create this space that we've been talking about. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of what your expertise is, kind of the, the goal moving forward to sure. what you want to create, what you envision for your business because it's a business. Um, it can be a Talk a little bit about what that future, future Nicole, is going to look like. Sure, yeah. So the big dream would be to be kind of a, like the Jenna Kutcher or Rachel Ricketts of uh, diversity and inclusion, right? Like where I could write books and go talk on stages. I would love to do a TEDx talk um, Mm. and really just – share my truth more, but also help people own and share theirs. So that's kind of the big dream. The how I'm planning to get there um, is starting a little smaller. And I built um, Melanin Moxie, which is my blog and blog community. And that is a space for women of color to connect uplift and empower one another mm-hmm. um, and to share their stories and stand in their truth. And so it's a blog. It has space for um, guest bloggers. Every month we ask for guest bloggers and um, we're working on building a panel of, of uh, monthly contributors um, who all just share their stories. And whether that is about just a hard time or great time or something that is hitting them, you know, there are some political things, there are some things on relationships or self-care, any of those aspects of just being a person and a person of color and then a woman adding those layers. Yes. um, That's what's on the blog. And my hope is that people then join the Facebook community um, and dive in and talk about it. And so we've done some of that. Um, We had a launch party in September, which was awesome. There were about uh, 30 women who showed up, most of whom I did not know, uh-huh. um, who really just showed up and said, you know, I've been looking for a place to meet other women of color and to talk about things. And yes. thank you. And that was incredible and so, so important to me to hear that other people felt that need too. Yeah. Um, and so that is my passion child. I am really excited about building that blog community and making sure that people um, are connected and are having a, or do have a safe space. Um, I know that term gets used a lot, but a safe where they feel 
a space where they feel that they can truly be themselves. They can vent about hard things. They can say whatever there's what's on their heart and it will be accepted and it will be, they'll be supported for that. Um, And not questions and not, you know, not asked to teach on it or anything that. You can be you. And I love that you're intentionally, very intentionally saying this is a space for women of color. Um, Yes. It's just needed. Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's drink it in. It's been really great. Um, you know, people have been really willing to be vulnerable on hard topics that, you know, sometimes you don't even think that uh, you think a question is just going to bring up silly responses, right? Mm-hmm. Like I ask uh, the first of every month, um, I have started a really attending to my gratitude practice. So mm-hmm. the first of every month I ask, what are you grateful for? Mm-hmm. Um, on my social media, I ask it in the private Facebook group. And, you know, some people had some really, really deep gratitude um topics like one person talked about her difficulty getting pregnant and her Mm. having miscarriages and so she was grateful for her firstborn child right and you know and I and another person was dealing with uh, a death of uh, a friend Mm -hmm. and um, she was grateful for the small moments in life that Mm -hmm. we get to celebrate um and you don't always expect those things, right? Sometimes I, I put things out there and I don't even get responses, right? Yeah. So like you ask on social media and it's hard to even get people to engage. Yeah. But when they're willing to engage so thoughtfully and so openly, yeah. you know, other women were connecting, like other women who felt like it was taboo to talk about, you know, problems getting pregnant or miscarriages, yeah. you know, felt like, oh, wow, this is okay for me and it's okay that this happened to me or that this is part of my story and that's what I want it to be Um, and I'm really excited that that's continuing to gain momentum. Um, In the meantime, what I'm also working on is the other part of uh, my business, um, which is a which is speaking engagements, workshops, and consulting. And so the goal with um, the other side of my business, um, part of Nicole Gabrielle, is working with the companies, the businesses, the organizations um, that have oppressive structures or Mm -hmm. oppressive um, policies or maybe don't, know that some of the things they're doing are oppressive, mm-hmm. but recognize that their culture isn't what they want it to be. Yeah. Um, working with them to create positive cultures where people, everyone feels included, where people feel excited to go to work, um, mm-hmm. where people feel supported in being themselves in their mm-hmm. work environment. Um, oh. One of the things that came across, I was, as I was talking to someone about it, um, I, someone, I just heard a conversation and someone was saying, yeah, you know, I was told that this new job that I can be myself, but I'm not sure if I can believe that or like mm-hmm. if it's just talk. And someone said, yeah, where can you work where you can be yourself? And mm-hmm. I thought that was so sad yeah. um, that that is the feeling out there. And I know it. I know I felt that way in workplaces. Sure. But I also have been in workplaces where I, 
have been entirely myself. And I know how freeing that is and how exciting it was to go to work, how exciting it was to say, like, this is what I'm part of. Um, And I want to help other places be that way. I think it will only make it better for marginalized people in those places. Um, And so, yes, it is shaking up the status quo. Yes, yes, it is difficult. um, But I think we need disruptors. I think we need someone to say, you know what, the status quo is not working. um, And let's fix it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love it all. And it only benefits, I mean, yes, the marginalized people, I, it would benefit them, but it's going to benefit the business. That's what I've never understood yes. is if people feel more plugged in as a community and they feel like a team at their workplace and they feel seen and heard at their workplace, yes. they're only going to want to work harder. Exactly. And they're going to tell everybody that this is yes. an awesome place to work. Yes. It's going to draw in more. I mean, there are studies. There are studies about how much more productive employees are when they are, when they feel connected, when they feel part of a team. I mean, it is, it's not just talk, you know, diversity of people, diversity of thought, actual equity and inclusion. Like there are so many studies about how that changes the work place for good and how that makes the companies better companies and more profitable companies. So um, it's disheartening that, you know, some companies are slower to get on the, uh, on board, but I'm hoping that I can get in there and really work with companies who are trying to make that change, who understand, hey, this is important and there's a lot of turnover and I want to look at why we have employee turnover. I want to look at, you know, why women aren't coming back after maternity leave, right? Mm -hmm. And actually say, all right, let's look at this. Let's have those hard conversations um, and let's figure out what we can do to make this a place where everyone wants to be. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm working on and I'm hoping that I'll, you know, slowly build up this kind of empire, um, would be incredible. But in the meantime, if I'm making change in even one place, um, it feels so worthwhile and it feels so, I really feel so lucky. Um, two years ago, I thought my life was never going to look anything good you know I I there were days where I would just cry to my husband and say like what kind of life is this you know um and so to even be in a position where I can inspire someone or help someone be seen and heard um is really really just a blessing yeah Oh, you're incredible. I just love it. I know you're going to create this fantastic empire and I'm going to be like, I knew her when it all (laughs) Thank you. Yes. You will forever be deep in my heart as my first podcast. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see what happens. So there are a few questions that I ask everybody. So we'll, we'll head there, wrap up with those questions. Sounds great. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the, where do you feel seen and heard? And mm-hmm. um, so I think we've probably kind of covered that, but let's talk a little bit about um, if people saw a list of your um, titles. So mm-hmm. your wife, your daughter, your 
um, an attorney, um, entrepreneur, all those things. What's kind of in the middle in the spaces that they don't necessarily see, or they saw you across the room and they just only know what you look like. What would they miss? Um, I think they miss a lot. I'm actually struggling with this uh, as I am struggling with what's going to happen when my disability insurance ends. And I'm like, hey, my resume doesn't really reflect who I am, right? I am a people person and a connector above all things. I love connecting people. So I've been this way for a very long time where if someone comes up and if we just even slightly hit it off yeah. and I know I have something that can help you, I am happy to put it out there. Um, I am a social justice advocate. I care very, very deeply about racial and social justice. Um, I love tacos. I'm a taco yeah. lover. They wouldn't know that. Um, <laughs> ever since I went to Mexico, um, almost, 10 years ago, um, I've been obsessed with tacos and Mexican food. Um, are there good Mexican food places in Boston? There must be there some. Are not, there are no, not. No, it's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. I have, if one. someone hears this and like can correct me, please, please guide me to the right place because, man, I miss really good tacos. Um, and I would say also I am a just like a, a devoted friend. Um, That's something I really care and invest a lot into the people I do invest in. Um, And so, yeah, I, you know, I I can manage, I can lead, I can do all these things that are on a, on a resume, right? But at the end of the day, I care about solving problems. I care about solving really hard problems, having hard conversations, um, sometimes that people don't want to have, right? I'm that person who is always like the disruptor who says, but wait, what about this? Or like, but wait, but I think that's so important. Um, And so you wouldn't see that. You'd probably hear it if you were in the room with me for long enough. Um, But I'm hoping that's going to be the way to change the future. Yeah. It's your superpower for sure. This is not one of my questions, but I'm just super curious. People that, um, do really hard work. And I think social justice and racial justice work is really, really hard work. Um, how do you build the capacity within yourself? So you can kind of take this as self-care direction, just building space within your psyche mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep doing that work. Cause I think the labor of it is, can be so emotionally and physically exhausting. Yeah. Um, how do you just hold that tension? Yeah, it is really, really hard work. Um, and I think for me, I've been trying to find more ways. I know some people have found release through yoga and things yeah. like that for me. Um, I really, really am a people person and I find like I get so much joy from connecting with other people and, you know, sometimes it's exhausting and I will need to take time to rest Um, and I've been reading um, a lot of books about mindset and keeping a positive mindset and how to work on our mindset because there can get times where you hear all these down stories or you are engaging in all these difficult conversations and you're just butting heads and you're like, they're not listening and I'm trying everything I can. And it's helpful to just kind of 
check back in with yourself and say, all right, where are we? Where am I? Um, am I in a place where I can have a productive conversation right now? Yeah. And if not, how do I get back to myself, right? Yeah. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time working on getting back to myself, right? So for me, little things like cups of tea. I love cups of teas yeah. and I love snuggly blankets. Um, yes. My husband yeah. jokes that I'm like an 80 year old grandma. Um, <laughs> but those things are just the, it's just those little comforts when you say, I need to recharge right now. Um, but I really do think if we can open ourselves up to listening to other people's stories, even when we disagree, um, or even when we're in different points, um, we learn something from it, yeah. right? Whether we may never agree, whether we may, I, I don't necessarily believe that everyone can find common ground or that it's even helpful to try and find common ground with everyone. Um, But I do think that we learn from every interaction, right? And um, so I try and take that. I try and learn. I try and put out what I can and in hopes that people will receive it with the same positive and open energy. Um, And then I take care of myself with my tea and my books or sometimes, you know, some British baking shows on Netflix and just tune out and uh, (laughs) just really take care of yourself um, so that you can feel that joy. You can feel that change happening um, and continue to kind of push forward. Yeah. So we talked, you've mentioned a few favorite things, tea and blankets, but that's my last question and always my favorite. So are there things that you can think of that are just like lighting you up that you love? Because I think people can sometimes, if they connect through nothing else, they connect through things that we love and our favorite things. Yes. Got tacos on the list. Yes. And blankets. (laughs) Yes. Um, So my husband, I always say he's my favorite disfavoritist. Um, he, (laughs) um, he is absolutely awesome and I am so, so lucky to have him. So he's definitely on the list, but he's not up for grabs. So, um, (laughs) um, what else are my favorite things? Um, I really do like reading, um, and just all sorts of books. My parents used to call me Belle when I was little because I always had my nose in a book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are you a fiction or nonfiction? Or so I, I, both. I used to be like just staunchly fiction and uh-huh. I've gone through and I love memoirs and I'm really get. I've gone through, I mean, law school kind of changed my direction and I do a lot of critical um, theory and critical race theory um, critical media studies I'm become this like nerd of nerds Um, so if I can like one of my favorite ways to geek out is to like watch a movie and then like totally just deconstruct it and Uh like what are all the hidden things going beyond there and what are the directors thinking and what does this do Uh um and so those are really when I find people who will let me geek out like that and will say, you know, wait, do you think this is a feminist thing? Or do you think this? I'm like, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So those are kind of my favorite things. And I like baking. Um, yeah. So I can't do it so much now. Um, I need a lot of help still because it's just exhausting. Yeah. But baking is one of my favorite things. Too. Oh, I love it. 
Well, this was an absolute highlight of my whole like day and week. And oh, mine too. Thank you so much. I just feel really, speaking of gratitude, grateful that our paths intersected and I yes. love it. I feel like we'll probably stay in touch if I get my yes. way. Yes. <laughs> Me too. I'd be very sad if we didn't. Um, and I do want to do a quick shout out to Raina Pomeroy because uh, I did take her business course. Um, it was at that time, um, it's changed names. It's now called Dreamy Client Magnet. Um, but I took her business course. It was called Profit and Serve. And that's actually how you came on my radar. Um, and it just, it really opened me up to creating, creating what lights me up and saying yeah. I can make money from just being happy with what I do. Yeah. Um, and that's a totally radical concept for law schools. Um, yes. But I think as people, we need that. And so I am eternally grateful to Raina um, for bringing you in my circle and for making this something that you know I dreamed of and didn't think was possible and yeah. it is boggling my mind that I am here talking to you so thank Doing you yeah. <laughs> and I've heard her name so many times um, so I feel like I need to go follow her because <laughs> she's awesome absolutely awesome um, and you know as a slightly jaded New Yorker, I was very, very uh, skeptical at first of her bright, cheery way. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know about this woman, but she is really incredible. And I am I'm really just so grateful for everything I've learned from her and continue to learn from her. So I highly, highly recommend getting her on your show. She is fantastic. Awesome. I love it. I will link to her. And awesome. of course, all of your things, Melanin and Maxie, Nicole Gabrielle, and all the cool stuff you're doing. Awesome. Um, everyone should follow you because you're going to change the world. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're going to do it together. Yes. That's right. <laughs> all right, thanks, awesome. Yes. Have a great week. All right. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. so full of gratitude for Nicole. And I say this all the time, but I'll say it again, that this work of podcasting and connecting has given me so many gifts. And Nicole is absolutely one of those. We have stayed connected since our conversation, and I hope to keep that connection going. Anyone who is an attorney, a diversity consultant, a world changer, a survivor of chronic illness, and a lover of tacos and memoirs and cozy blankets is surely going to lead us in the right direction. And I, for one, want to follow along with her on that ride. I love how Nicole is creating an intentional online community for women of color and how she's using her specific superpowers to do the work that she is here to do. I know that you'll be hearing more from her as her platform grows and her reach gets wider and wider. So go support her and her work. And I discovered today as I put this together that she also has a gift guide out. So go check that out too. I love a gift guide for finding those little niche businesses and products and services and organizations 
that I've never heard about. So check that out. I know Nicole would love to connect with you, so reach out to her. Remember to check those show notes for all the links to things that we've talked about. And take that middle seat. I'll be back in 2019 with another episode. So until then, I hope you find the holiday magic in taking the middle seat.